Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of The Insiders with your regular cast. We've been, we've, guys, we haven't had a sub yet. I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> Nobody's had a head cold. Nobody... <laughs> Nobody just wanted to go partying. Uh, I have a very boring life outside of this. So yeah, that's, they say time. the best ability is availability. So there it is. Come through here. There I, it I is. like it. <laughs> I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of Go Power Cap. The man to my side is Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman, <clears throat> 97, 98, Big B Sports Talk. Check out his stuff. He does. Uh, I tripped across him doing the TikTok live today. It was, yeah. it was, uh, I didn't stick around. I had, I had conspiracy <laughs> theories to explore. Um, Tim Everson, my good pal from way back, the sports editor of the Manhattan Mercury, and of course, Mr. TV himself, Glenn Kelly of KSNT and many other stations right there in Topeka. That's right. Topeka, as Ron White would say. Gentlemen, it was a week off. <clears throat> I told Tim, I should, probably shouldn't share this with everyone, but I'm an open book. I don't have anything prepared for today. I'm still in my office. <laughs> but uh, I did send you a question last night, and I want to start with Glenn. Mm-hmm. Glenn, what is the biggest thing K-State football needs to improve upon coming out of their off week as they get ready to head to Oklahoma State on Friday night? Yeah, I'm gonna, I am gonna. don't know if this will be a cop-out answer or not, but well, I'm going to go is. a little bit of a different route with it. I, I don't know if it's an area of their game to improve upon, but the biggest thing that concerns me is just staying healthy. You get an yeah. early bye week like yep. this, and it and it comes at a good time for K-State because they were already banged up. But then you say, wait a minute, we played four games and we needed a week off to, to get all these re- injuries recovered and whatnot and get these guys who were stepping up reps with the ones. And now we got eight more and we don't get a week off in the next eight. So that, that concerns me a little bit. If they have the same amount of injuries that they had in the first four weeks, in the next four weeks, then those last four weeks, you know, that last third of the season is going to be tough. So uh, I hope that this bye week, they used it to, to solve those and to get guys healthy. But I mean, it's a long list of guys that we've had and that's football. It, it's, I'm not blaming anyone. It's, it, it's stuff that you can't control, but you've had Will Howard banged up. You've had Trayshawn Ward banged up, Keegan John, RJ Garcia. You got Daniel Green already out for the year on the defense. I mean, it's a long list of guys that you've had concerns about, and and you and you use up that bye week. I know Chris Kleiman doesn't yeah. love having it this early in the season, probably for this reason. That's probably my biggest concern. I don't know if it's an area to improve upon, other than hey, here's don't get hurt, right? That's <laughs> not that easy, but uh, that it does concern me a little bit. Just hope they can stay healthy. I could get hurt on this podcast just sitting here. That's that's how it rolls. <laughs> I will hey. say when I watch football, I always think I'll watch it and be like, I would be out eight weeks if I took that hit, and the guy will get up and, and make a play on the next on the next. Play, I know that's you know? crazy. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, you're exactly right. That's a great point. Uh, the good news is, short of Daniel Green, I think they come out of this really healthy. Mm-hmm. They they are loaded up with almost everyone to go. And Brian, as a former player, is that eight week stretch a big deal? Uh, I think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, look, playing, obviously you want to play every week, you know, but having a, a, a bye week to get a little bit healthy, you know, just to, to give your body a break was huge. It is absolutely huge. I remember my very first year playing, you know, we had a bye week and then we had a long stretch. And I just remember that week off that we had after the last game that we played, it was against Iowa State before we started bowl prep, my body just rejuvenated. It, it just rejuvenated. So, you know, having eight weeks in a row it, is going to be tough. Uh, but, again, it, it's still playing football. You're still playing college football. So kids will, will be resilient. I go, but it is something to take a look at. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, um, I, I don't bounce back at all. Tim Everson, what's on your – top of your list of the to-dos for Kansas State football out of this off week? Eliminate the big play. Yeah. I think that that's been the, the defense's biggest bugaboo so far, whether it's the couple big runs they've given up, whether it's the times that they've been gashed uh, through the air, whether it was against Missouri or or, or two weeks ago now versus UCF. They're going to run again up against uh, teams that have – you know, maybe not guys to the caliber of, of, of Luther Burton, 
but definitely some some high caliber athletes that are going to be able to make those types of plays. Uh, and you you can't have it. You can't because right. especially for a team that is inferior than you were supposed to be. That those kind of plays give those teams life. Um, and it, it allows them to kind of completely dictate things. So I, I think that if they're able to do that, defense has been so good about so many other aspects that this that'll really kind of bump them up the next notch here down the stretch. Uh, I'm going to defend Glenn here. Uh, Glenn needs those big plays for the highlight package at 10 o'clock. <laughs> well, K-State can, can still have the big plays. Okay. To be clear. Yeah. Be clear. Okay. As long as the Cats still have them where I go. I don't like them actually too long, Fitz, because if I only have 45 seconds for the highlights, I can't have like a 13-second touchdown run or else it takes up the whole time. So <laughs> yeah. we like the short ones, but still, uh, yeah, none for the other teams. Hey, Brian, it's been a problem, man. Uh, and yeah. um, I talked to Chris Kleiman the other night, and it's been a variety of things that have gone wrong um but mostly it boils down to this there's new guys there's new guys learning new things learning signals coming off the sidelines that have gotten uh kind of messed up at times it, it there's a lot of things that go here just in the guy didn't do his job right yeah i mean there's a lot to to digest i guess is a is a thing um but we can't use that as a crutch. We can't right. use that as, as an excuse because everybody has new guys. Everybody's learning something new. I mean, especially in this world of college football with transfer portal and all that stuff, everybody's got new people out there. So you got to be able to find a way to eliminate the big plays. Look, it's it's been a problem. Um, it's going to have to stop. I, I think they can get it done. but And that's why we don't like the bye week early. Because, you know, you'd like it a little bit further down the road to be able to, in case injuries happen. But another thing, to be able to learn and get guys up to speed before you get into the meat of your season, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time to learn and to get better in that aspect. That's very true. Okay, Brian, what's your number one concern heading into the rest of the year? Is continue to have a calling card on the offensive side of the ball, which is the run game. It was last week. We we figured out we can just run and run the football and the offensive line comes to play. That is my concern is that we don't have a calling card and you got to have one. You got to have something that we can just lean on and say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And even when you know we're going to run the football, and look, I know I'm an old offensive lineman, and I kind of say the same things every week. I go, <laughs> but it's just true. You got to be able to run the football when you need to run the football. That, yep. I mean, it, it, you just have to, you know, and for the most part, K-State hasn't been able to do that this year. They did last game, and I just think it needs to continue. So that is my, my, I, I guess, worry, or, yeah. or it's more of a want to. I want us to have a calling card on offense and just say, you know what, when we want to mash you, we're going to mash you. And your point is very valuable and how it plays into what I think K-State needs to improve on the most coming out of this bye week, and that's getting their receivers more involved in this offensive game plan. Yeah, Uh, They have been a weak point on this entire team, and you know a lot of it's been injuries with R.J. Garcia, a little hamstring injury, and Keegan Johnson's ongoing hamstring issues. Um, Hopefully they get that kind of healed up and settled in, but more importantly to me, they got to find guys that Will Howard can count on. He doesn't have a Cade Warner right now. Doesn't have a guy. Hey, it's third and six. Go run about six and a half yards, and the ball will be waiting for you. He doesn't have that right now with his receivers. He has it with his tight end, but everyone's catching on to that. Uh, he has it with his running backs, and maybe the fact that they got to account for a running back out of the backfield more, maybe that'll help the receivers. But Tim, I kind of feel like these receivers are just underachieving from their talent level. No, I I, I agree, and I think that maybe something that 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 could have been worked out over this past week and then this week is you know getting getting those guys healthy but also getting those younger guys a lot more snaps getting them getting them ready and if it's not if it's not going to be the older guys if it's not going to be the guys we thought it was going to be going into the season maybe if things don't don't change the way that we feel like they need to be changed after Oklahoma State, maybe Texas Tech, we see a couple new faces. Maybe yeah. you know as we go further down the line, uh, they, they they start making changes because it can't. It, it's crazy because it feels like we we have this conversation 
regularly year after year. It feels like we've had this conversation since Curry Sexton and Tyler Lockett left. Mm. But uh, to get uh, just consistency there, it doesn't even need to be super flashy. And I, to Phil Brooks's credit, I, I don't want to run him down. I feel like he's doing the best that he can. But, you know, they, they need two or three other guys to be consistent. Not great, not all Big 12, just consistent. Right. And I think maybe Keegan Johnson is, if he is fully healthy, we really haven't gotten. It's like he didn't play, then he played the second half, and then he played a little bit, and they didn't say if he was hurt or not. We don't really know. I would hope that through this bye week, he's gotten healthy. And I see them maybe using him more in a Malik Knowles type of role where they find ways to give him the football, even if it's not passing it to him, whether that's a jet sweep or lining him up in different spots. Um, I think going into the season, they certainly planned. I, I don't. I think I'm stating the obvious here. They plan to use him more than they have. Right. And I think if he's healthy, uh, you get him going, and that's a big piece. And they got Jaden Jackson, who I don't think really many, if any of us, were expecting to be as big as he has been. If they can get him to keep going, and then get the guys who you did expect, it has the the room has a lot of potential, probably to be uh, one of the better wide receivers groups I think that we've seen in recent memory. But they they haven't necessarily done it through four weeks. Brian, for a while, I kind of thought the receiver issues were because they just weren't involved enough in the offense before Colin Klein took over. Now there's opportunities all over the field for these receivers to make plays, but they just don't seem available consistently for Will Howard. And furthermore, after you just watched your quarterback who could barely walk, go out and play an entire game and run through the pain and perform at that level, it just seems to me like – it's time for a lot of guys to say, okay, I got to play hurt. I'm not injured. I, it just hurts and, and go for it. Yeah. I mean, whether you see that from your quarterback or not, I think you just got to do that in general. I mean, football is a game of, of attrition, but it's also a game of pain. I mean, it just is guys are always going to be hurt. You got to get out there and nobody's ever going to be a hundred percent. And I'll just be very frank. If you're a guy that can't play unless you're 100%, I you just can't be on the football team. I, I have no problems with saying that at all. I don't care if they're kids or whatever the case may be. If you are saying that you can't play without being 100%, then you can't be out there. You know, it's just simple fact of the matter. And it, you're right, Fitz. It's time for some guys to just start stepping up and playing some good football because there is absolutely opportunities out there to be made from the wide receiver position. You got to go out there and start making some of these plays to help because it's going to open up so many other things. Now, if they're not capable, that's a different conversation. That's a totally different conversation, but I think the guys are capable. It's just getting out there and you know what? This is just, it's big time football. It's time to go play. Absolutely. You know, that pretty much summed up why I didn't play football. <laughs> Got to suck it up. No, I think I'll go have a fresco. Um, <clears throat> Glenn, uh, Oklahoma State is in tatters right now. K-State kind of started this process of the de-evolution of Gundy's program with a 48 to nothing trouncing last year yeah. in Manhattan. And I, I'm thinking this game could could mean two things. First of all, Oklahoma State might have this circled as a big uh, revenge game, or, and I think it might be closer to this based on what I've seen from them this year, they're just dreading this game. Um, But one of the things he did, he was he threw the ball all over the field. So to do that, he's got to have guys available and open, and maybe this will be a a good way for these receivers to kind of break out and get free. Yeah, I think last year against Oklahoma State was when we got the video of the the OSU quarterback with his hands shaking as he called it for the snap. I don't know if we'll get a <laughs> another uh, edition of that this time or not. I will say this. Um, it's an evening game under the lights, um, you know, Friday night, so a little bit out of the ordinary. There are reasons that, that this wouldn't go as planned, but uh, to be blunt, I think – I don't think Oklahoma State's good enough for, oh. for those factors to even matter. Uh, famous last words, I know, and <laughs> anything can happen. But, um, yeah, it seems to be a mess there. And, and to me, this feels like for K-State, um, it could be the same, uh, same thing that we saw last year where this was almost a, a get-your-swagger game. You, you go and you beat a Power 5 team badly, and you do it in their place, and you come out of there, and it doesn't matter if they're bad or not. If you win by 30 points and Will Howard – 
throws four touchdowns, runs for two, you feel pretty dang good into the next week. And, and I believe last year when we saw him, I don't remember if it was a week after or two weeks later when they beat Baylor really badly right after. And Baylor wasn't bad last year. No. It was almost like they were so confident and had so much swagger from that Oklahoma State win, they just kept rolling. And that's what this win could be for K-State. Uh, I, You know, they say you'll take wins however you can get them. But for K-State, this seems like the perfect time to not just get a win, but get it in dominant fashion and leave there, hopefully healthy, and leave there feeling really, really good. And, and anything less than that, um, again, if they win by a touchdown, you'll take a win, but, but I don't think you'll feel great about it. Brian, you are our observer of all things football. What is going on with Mike Gundy's program? <laughs> you know, um, quite frankly, I think that he's, he's rubbed some people the wrong way. Absolutely. You know, he has rubbed some people the wrong way. I'm not going to get into any political stuff because right. that stuff gets sideways and gets crazy. And quite frankly, I don't really care, but it, it, he, he's rubbed some people the wrong way. And before all this transfer stuff and, and NIL and all that started, he could get away with that mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it, if you rub people the wrong way, look, you got to be at my program. You're trying to yeah. leave. You got to sit out, you know, all that kind of stuff. Kids just didn't want to do that. They have choices now. And when you give people choices, they're going to take advantage of those type of opportunities. You can't rub people the wrong way. You got to be more of a salesman, even if it, you don't believe in any of it. If you're trying to have a good program, again, you got to be a good salesman. Just put on that hat. Same things happening in Clemson. Davo Sweeney is rubbing people the wrong yep. way and doesn't believe in all this transfer and all this kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine. But we're going to see what happens because at Clemson, four- and five-star guys aren't sitting on your bench anymore. You're having to go down the totem pole, and they don't, they're not as talented. At Oklahoma State, they didn't have all those four- and five-star guys to begin with. And now guys are leaving, and now you're having to deal with what's left, and they're not good. It's like I said before, though. What team do you know plays three quarterbacks in a competitive football game that's any good? I've never seen one, ever, ever, ever. And that's what's going on. But that's what I think is going on at Oklahoma State. I think Gundy has – he needs to reset his message. That's right. what really needs to happen. He needs to reset his message and get it back under control because if not, it's just going to continue to spiral. And I wonder with the transfer portal and NIL and all this stuff is a big picture is – is it going to be harder um, or, or much more difficult for guys like Gundy? These old-fashioned guys, my way or the highway, if you don't like it, get out. And then now guys are going to be like, okay, I, I will get Absolutely. out. <laughs> you know? And I, it's uh, – maybe I'm old school or whatever. I, it's almost kind of a bummer. I'm not saying I feel bad for the guy or anything, but it's almost kind of a bummer. Uh, I, I enjoyed, like, his – kind of old-fashioned attitude, but I don't know if we're going to see that as much in college football anymore, uh, not just from him, but from a number of coaches probably, because uh, I don't know that it's going to work, especially with the younger generation of kids that that have so many so many options. Well, here, here's the thing. Think about it. Look at look at Dion. Look at what they're doing over there. Dion is an old school, you better work your butt off to get in here. He's got a five-star guy that was the number one cornerback in the country. And he's not playing them because he won't work hard. He won't go study, film study. He won't do the things necessary to get on the football field. But they play into NIL mm -hmm. and the transfer portal more than anybody. But you still have to work hard. And I think sometimes people get the misconception of, well, if you're in the transfer portal, people don't want you to work hard and all that. It doesn't mean that. It still means you have to work hard. It still means you have to study, understand what's going on. It just means on this side of the equation, we're going to do it this way. But once you get here, you better understand what's going on. You better come here to play football. And I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle in all of this. And at Oklahoma State, they just said, well, we're not going to deal with this. Well, then you're not getting the same kind of talent. Yeah. And that's a problem. Well, it's not about being old school. It's about Gundy being stubborn. Yes. yes, you can be, well, you know, Nick Saban's old school. Right? Yes. You know, you can, you can be old school and still adapt to things. It's just how much do you want to win? Mm -hmm. And there realizing that there's a way to win. And if this is the way to win, 
fit that into whatever your philosophy is and make it work for you. And Mike Gundy hasn't done that. And it's, you know, may end up costing him, you know, a job here. And I know it's crazy. And, and I tripped across something last night that really just kind of hit home with me. And Mike Gundy has gone to 17 straight bowl games. I mean, he's, he's been that good at Oklahoma state. That is the same number of bowl games Bill Snyder went to when things caught up to him in 2004 and five and kind of came apart for a while. It's just, it's almost like they, there's a wall you hit and you got to find a way to get over it. And his wall has been drastic changes to college football that he's trying to shrug off. He's went from, I'm a man, I'm 40 to I'm an old fart that doesn't care about anything. I'm 57. Uh, It doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. He he's literally so opposed to the NIL. He will burn down his own program to prove a point. And you're not proving the point you think you are. It's just, it's insane to me, but now the players that are on this roster all want to be in the portal. Can you, Brian, can you imagine if they hadn't changed the rule with portal windows when you can only go in at these certain times a year when in the past you had, you could go in like right now. Right. I, I think most of the Oklahoma State team would be in the portal. He wouldn't have a team to play with. Yeah, it, it's it's getting bad. Um, and, and it's like you said, I, I, if he just changed his message, he would be right. Tim is 100% correct. It, it's not about not being old school. It's just about adapting and understanding. Look, you can demand kids play hard, do things the right way. You can demand all of that. But you also have to placate into what kids are looking for. Heck, Oklahoma State did it. Look at all the uniform changes that they do. I mean, that's part of it. That seems like a silly thing. But kids like that. I mean, they just they just like that. You know, so it's not like they don't do some of that. They just got to go all the way. And he doesn't believe in it. Well, sorry, things have changed. And if you don't want to change, maybe it's just time for him to get out. Maybe it's just time for him altogether to just be done. If you refuse to change, I, and that might be sad to see or, and even sad to say, but I'm sorry. I mean, heck, it, it happened to K-State. We all love Coach Snyder, but things changed, and he didn't necessarily want to change with it. So yeah. things had to move on. Yep. And the, the other thing at Oklahoma State, too, is is there are certain coaches or programs that have such an impressive resume that you, they still have to change, but they might be able to get away with Hey, uh, we're not as into some of this newer stuff, but we can almost guarantee you we're going to send you to the NFL and we can almost guarantee you're going to compete for a, a national title, right? Uh, Gundy can't say those things at Oklahoma right. State. It's different if you have that, right? Um, and again, even then, it's it's cha- you're not going to get away with not doing any NIL or transfer portal or anything, but it's different if you have that. Um, but I don't know that Gundy can go into a kid's living room and say, um, hey, we don't do NIL. Uh, I hate the transfer portal, um, but you'll probably play in a bowl game, maybe two or three times. Like kids can do that a lot of places and also get the NIL. Right. Mm-hmm. That's great. At the same time, but at the same time, like if you would have pulled a lot of the national football people when Texas and Oklahoma, when, when it was announced that they were leaving, most of them would have said, if you asked them, okay, well, who's going to be take over as, 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 as top dog of the big 12, most of them would have said Oklahoma state then. So, I mean, yeah. they've been up there. It's not, I mean, I don't know. It's not like they're Iowa state or something. They, I mean, they, they have substance to their yeah. program. I yeah, mean, that's why it's incredible to watch this. And Glenn, is this something that an off week? Cause they were on their off week. Also, they can kind of heal up their locker room. In the course of a week, I don't see that happening, but I guess it's a possibility. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess it can make it better or worse. You know, you're not, you're not game planning. It might be more coaching that week and and uh, cleaning up some details, which could help or hurt. Um, but I think Brian mentioned a little bit. You, you can clean up maybe some of those issues, but I don't know if they have necessarily have the talent in the room to where even if everybody is yeah. getting along great, I don't know if they have the talent in the room to – to, to win a lot of football games. I'm not saying they're not going to win any games, but to win a lot of football games this year. Um, it, it is interesting, to your point, Tim, this feels like, a, uh, like I said, a nighttime matchup in Stillwater. This is a game that if you look at on the calendar, it, you would say that's a tough one. 
That's, you know, that's a tough one. And, yep. and we're not saying that this year, which is just unusual. And that's the nature of the Big 12 this year is that there's a lot of games that you looked at before the season started and said, you know, you can pick out, okay, we should win these few. These few are going to be tough. And then and then these five or six might be, like, questionable. And, that, and in the Big 12 right now, those five or six that you were saying might be up in the air, now you're saying we should win those games. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And Brian, I love this venue. I, I think Oklahoma State might be my favorite road venue. It's hostile without being ugly. It's loud without, you know, being frightening. Um, fans from the other school have little problems in the stands. The paddles just whacking away at the wall. It's just an amazing environment. And I, I, I find myself in the strange position here saying Oklahoma State fans deserve better than what they're getting right now from their head football coach. They do. They do. It's a great environment. Um, it's a, kind of a microcosm of Manhattan, Kansas, because yeah. I, I just feel like if, if Oklahoma State's not in Stillwater, it's Stillwater even there. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's kind of like Manhattan, the same type of thing way back when. So I like the the whole atmosphere and, and what Oklahoma State became. You know, I know this is taking us back a little ways, but, you know, when T. Boone Pickens put all that money in, it changed the entire – number one, it changed the whole school, but it changed the whole sports atmosphere there, and they became good at everything. Well, I shouldn't say everything, but they became really good. <laughs> they yeah. just did. And I liked the venue. I never had the opportunity to play there, uh, but I definitely liked the venue. I like what they bring. Um, like you said, the fans are hostile, which hostile is a great word, by the way. They're hostile, but it's not – it's not dangerous, right. you know, hostile, but not dangerous. I like Oklahoma state. They, they just, they deserve a little better, man. They, they deserve a little better than what they're getting. Now they're I've been not wait, booing I've been all guys. day fits for you to uh, give us a rant about the fact that they're playing on Friday. Are you saving that for the end or, you know, I'm just kind of working <laughs> through it. You know, it's like, yeah, what's, what's sad about it is I'm not traveling to this game. Um, and, but if it was on Saturday, I'd go watch the Manhattan Junction City game. I really would. Right. Just, I mean, Bishop Stadium's a half mile from my house. I'd make it over there. But no, I mean, they're going to go head to head. It just it, it stinks, but it is what it is. I do not understand when, because this has happened before, why they don't move that game to a Thursday or move it to Saturday. Yeah. I, the, the Manhattan, I, I don't, when you have a major high school in town, I, 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 you know, it feels like that is maybe not super easy, but you do it back in August, you know, people, uh, people in Manhattan Junction figure it out. With, with this break in the schedule, and we'll have this little rant before we go into our very brief break. Um, with the way the schedule falls, if Manhattan Junction had moved their game to Saturday morning, early afternoon, I felt like people might have shown up and tailgated. <laughs> you know, they might have said, hey, you know what, case it's not playing, I'm going to head on over to the stadium and watch this because uh, it, it should be a really quality football game. I don't know. I, I, it, Like I said on my daily delivery about this topic, it sucks that college football is having to do this on yeah. Friday nights, but it's being driven by the money and yeah. the, the need for extending a, you know, a way to find new viewers, to find more viewers. So you go on Friday. Well, I think high school football needs to – react the same way well let's go find our viewers in on saturday but yeah i think also i can't imagine it it helps with recruiting for for any of the schools because no. you're playing on a friday which means your recruits are playing that same day they can't come there i mean chris climate said it before he feels like their biggest recruiting tool was getting a guy in bill snyder family stadium on a saturday i know this is a way game so they wouldn't right. have that anyway but but getting a guy to that game day atmosphere is huge and you can't do that on a friday and not only can you not do it but you're playing on a Friday because you want the national audience, but the recruits who are, aren't watching it again, cause they're playing. And so you're, you are getting more eyeballs. And again, it's about money, but the eyeballs that you're getting aren't, aren't kids who are going to say, I might want to go play there because if they're, I mean, I would assume they're in their own game. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know what? And maybe if you're Mike Gundy, you're like, Oh good. We don't have to bring in recruits to see this. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it kind of makes me sad, but I think K-State, uh, should win this game fairly comfortably. At least Vegas does. It's 11-point spread on the road. That's pretty amazing. Uh, we'll explore more of these topics and take a look around the Big 12 when we continue this edition of The Insiders. And remember, if you're watching on YouTube, 
This break is four seconds. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat podcast. And we're back with the insiders. Guys, UCF, uh, welcome to the Big 12. Um, <laughs> you, you got to go on the road to Kansas State and and feel an environment the types of which you probably haven't seen much of in the American. Then you go home and you got Baylor on the ropes down, what, 25 points heading in the fourth quarter. And the crowd leaves. You leave mentally, apparently. Brian, this isn't the American. You, 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 these teams keep coming at you. They've got talent. They were beating Baylor schematically, and Baylor said, you know what, we're going to change what we're doing, and they just ran the ball mm-hmm. relentlessly, just like K-State showed, and it worked 26 points in the fourth quarter to win on the road. It was one of the more shocking developments, but, boy, UCF has to be stinging. This is a program that thought they'd come in and maybe run the Big 12, and here they are. Yeah, I mean, just what you said, it's not the American. And let's just be frank, Baylor's down. Baylor is down, and yet they just said, "Here's here. we'll just make one change. We'll just start running the football, and they did it. Uh, I watched the end of this game, and I just couldn't believe that UCF just allowed that to happen. But you are right, because you got down towards the end of the game, and I would say 70% of the crowd had already left, yeah, thinking that the game was over, and I'm like – yeah, you're right. Welcome to the Big 12, because that's not what happens. You better put the team away. And when I mean away, zero's on the clock. Mm-hmm. And that, that's when the game's over. And, yeah, that, that's that's tough. And to be 0-2 in the conference when a lot of people thought that they could have won at K-State, right. to go home and to lose to Baylor, that's tough, man. It's tough. And I, look, they're down their quarterback. I get it. Their backup is bringing great shame to the name Tim. <laughs> he had one heck of a play. Oh my gosh! That, that was one of the better plays I've seen on a football field. Not 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 to be dramatic, but that was nuts. That was amazing. I'm like, where are you going? Why are you going to go over there now? Okay, well <laughs> you you got to throw it at some point, and then he just wings it and gets a first down like, <laughs> from the end zone. Uh, yeah. It was like a Tech Mobile play. <laughs> Seriously though, Brian, that that looked like Michael Bishop. That's yeah, the stuff yeah. Mike would do. Oh, this yes. play just went to hell. I'm going to run around. And everyone's going to get tired, and then I'm going to throw the ball a million miles an hour. Absolutely did. Absolutely did. It, it was, was incredible. I, I couldn't believe he ran that far back. And then I yeah. thought he was going to get a safety. The second yeah. guy that hit him, I thought he's going to fall, and then he didn't fall. And then when he threw it, I thought he was going to be a completion because he threw the ball with confidence on a rope. Mm-hmm. And usually something like that, I'm like, oh, he's throwing a Hail Mary. And when he didn't, I thought, oh, well, somebody's wide open. Yeah. Sure enough, guy was wide open. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that look was for, insane. Yeah, cannot be good for Gus Malzahn's mental health. Just, no, no, <laughs> no. Tim, they they go to Kansas this weekend. I I don't know what KU's quarterback situation is, but from what I've seen of UCF, if I'm Kansas, I say, hey, Devin Neal, how you you, you mm-hmm. might need some backup shoes. You might wear yep. out the first shoes because we're gonna aim for 300 yards, and he could get it if they persist with the running game. They cannot tackle. The Knights can't tackle. Load up Devin Neal, load up the other two very capable running backs that they have and pound them into the ground. If, if I mean, I, I feel like, and, and I mean, if Jason Bean's doing it, I mean, they were, you know, a eyelash away from basically running the triple option last week. So, I mean, Fine with that. load it up, run it, make them stop it. I don't think they can. Uh, that's yeah. got to be the game plan. It was their tackling for UCF. It, we, it was two weeks in a row now. They just the tackling was really poor. I'm glad he pointed out Fitz because I was gonna bring that up. The other thing I noticed, and, and um, I'm not saying he's the coach of the year or anything like that, but I I just thought it, it impressed me, or I, maybe it was just smart. But um, when Baylor was down, I think it was 25. UCF had a field goal that got blocked. And Dave Aranda was on the sideline. He came running out on the field going nuts. And you would have thought that they won the game at that point, right? And I'm watching it. And I'm thinking, what? They're, dude, you're down by 25. Like, chill out. You know, you blocked a field goal. Great job. You still need, what, four touchdowns or whatever. Um, and I'm thinking maybe that was the exact energy that they needed in that moment for him to, to get fired up about something, even when they were losing, instead of them just pouting on the sideline and give them some energy and some momentum. And I don't think um, – I don't think that 
Baylor is going to contend for the Big 12 title this year. But I do think that's a win that can give you a little bit of confidence and a little bit of swagger. And it was needed. And all of a sudden, instead of going the direction that Oklahoma State's going, like we were talking about, maybe Baylor does win a few more games. Maybe they they are getting a bowl game. And maybe when K-State plays them, that, that's not a, a, a one that you can check off and say this should be an easy win because they've proven, hey, we might not. this might not be the best Baylor team we've had, but this is a team that at least that, that they may not be the most talented, but they're going to fight. And, and any team that can do that is not an easy win in the Big 12. It's not easy to get Dave Aranda fired up. Yeah. <laughs> he's a mellow guy. Yeah, he's probably – he had to put down his book to run on his <laughs> Um Let's get to the big one. The Red River rivalry, um, which I can't believe I said that without stumbling. Uh, I think Texas runs Oklahoma out of the building again. Um, I just, I'm not sold on Oklahoma. I, I looked at that defense against Iowa State. Iowa State's offense is complete trash, and they were moving the ball all over the place in the first half. Uh, Iowa State as a team is complete trash. I gave up a ton of points, but still, I think Texas has been pretty reserved, not showing a lot. Brian, I think this is just going to get ugly. Yeah, yeah. I, I've said it all week, or I shouldn't say all week. Last few days, people have been asking, and I'm just like, no, Texas is way better than OU. Yeah. They are way better. They're more physical. At the point of attack, they're going to be more physical on both sides of the ball. Uh, I, I just don't see how that – now, it's not going to be as bad as last year. It's not going to be 49 to nothing. But if it gets 42 to – 17 42 to 20 something like that 45 20 i can see that i just don't see how oklahoma even keeps this game close i I just really don't tim who does kansas state want to win this game oklahoma yeah i mean i think it's i mean big eights big eight you know yeah it's uh my my the bigger question that i have though you know obviously that's the biggest game in the league on Saturday, does Brett Yarmark go? Ooh, like does it make sense for him to go? They don't like he him. Can't obviously. go, can he? Right? I, I mean, but at the same time, <laughs> that's like that's like your marquee game for the week. What if? What if he uh, hired one of those planes with the banner <laughs> and as it flew around the stadium and it and it went you know like horns down. By, uh, you know, just really just trolled the hell out of his two of his member schools. I don't think they would. I don't think they would love that. But uh, Tim, I'll play devil's advocate just a little bit. I almost think for K State, um, take out the Big Eight and stuff like that for this year, you might want Texas to win this game. I'm looking at it as Texas looks really, really good, and I'm not sure that that I'm not saying they're a lock, but I think they're about as close as a lock that you can get to Arlington. And from K-State's perspective, you don't play OU, and you might need some OU losses for K-State to slide into that second spot in Arlington. And so I'm almost wondering if you want Oklahoma to lose this weekend because you might be thinking if you're K-State, um, we, we're going to need OU losses when we can take them so that we can get that second spot in the Big 12 title game. The other thing I will say, though, is uh, Texas did, didn't look great against Kansas over the weekend, and that was without Jalen Daniels playing for Kansas – and they really just struggled to put the game away. They did in the fourth quarter. If you look at the final score, it looks like they beat they beat the heck out of them. But if you watch that game through three quarters, they really just let them linger around. And, and Texas only scores 13 points in the first half. And and um, they had to settle for field goals quite often. Now, they didn't punt in the game. But but Texas just – they looked flawed in that game. It didn't seem like they were final cylinders. Brian, you mentioned maybe they were holding – some things back, knowing that they had a, a Kansas team that was without the starting quarterback. Maybe they didn't want to let the playbook loose the week before Oklahoma. But uh, if Kansas had, had had capitalized on a few more opportunities, we could have seen a much different game because they had the ball with the chance to take the lead on several occasions and just couldn't really sustain a drive without without Jalen Daniels out there. Now, the, the flip side of that is Oklahoma just hasn't been tested. We don't really right. know what we're getting in Oklahoma right now because they haven't played anybody. So you got a Texas team that looked a little bit flawed, but against a pretty good team. And you got an Oklahoma team that hasn't looked that flawed yet, but that nobody would with their schedule maybe so far. Right. Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Iowa State. Those are the five schools that um, Oklahoma's played this year. They've got Texas here and then UCF. 
at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, West Virginia, at BYU, TCU. Um, it's a kind of a reflection of the conference, though, guys. That's an easy schedule. Mm-hmm. That's just an easy schedule. Um, and meanwhile, at Texas, uh, they geez, they go to Houston, BYU, Kansas State, and Austin. Go to TCU. Go to Iowa State. Play Tech. I there's so many wins available to the teams in this mm-hmm. conference this year. It's unbelievable. Um, and you know, my, my fear is if, uh, Oklahoma wins and then, you know, K state goes down to Texas and, and catches an angry Texas team that knows it can't have a second loss. Uh, all of a sudden Kansas state might be a one loss team that doesn't get to yeah. Arlington because, Oklahoma runs the table in the conference and Texas has the one loss and beat you head to head. That'd be like a worst case scenario for Kansas state. So I'm kind of on board with having Texas win this, I guess. Brian, what are your thoughts? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm kind of on, on board with that as well. Um, The only thing, because it's like you said, I, I just, the worst case scenario for the conference would be, OU and Texas meeting in the Big 12 title. I mean, that would be the absolute worst case. You can't have that. And and with those schedule and with the conference being the way that it is this year, OU's got to lose. They just got to lose, man. And as much as I don't like Texas, Texas, I mean, they're in the Big 12 now. And if we want to say the representation or whatever the case may be, the best way for Kansas State to get to Arlington is number one. I think they. I think we've. I don't know that we have to beat Texas, but OU has to lose. OU just right. has to lose this game because if OU's as flawed as what we think they are, OU's going to lose another conference game down the road. I think so. This this just has to be one. And I'm just looking out for K State, regardless of anything else. Right. I, I just want K State to be in Arlington. I think this is the easiest path. Now, what's the tiebreaker? Do we know? It, it, let's say that K State and OU both have one loss, and it's both to Texas. Is that a uh, how badly they lose type of deal? Like, are we rooting for Texas to blow them out of the water, or is that does that come down to uh, overall record? Or what? surely not. But what does that look like? I, no, I think it, the, the next step would be um, the highest ranked or shared opponent, and how you played against that okay. team. Uh, you know, at some point they're going to get down to a bunch of nonsense. It, it just happens when you don't play right. everyone in your conference. Uh, I, my dream scenario, of course, would be K-State does make it the Big 12 championship to play Oklahoma one final time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I just don't see that scenario. I just can't envision Texas having two losses with K-State being one of them. And I don't know. Maybe we'll play out this way because it's a weird league. There's West no- Virginia, baby. West, West Virginia, Virginia could go beat. Does West Virginia play Texas? Um, you know, that's a good question. There let me go, go look at, let me get on the handy dandy side here. <laughs> no, they do not. Oh Man, no. They, they got lucky. They avoided Neil Brown. Well, and let's talk about that. Can West Virginia, what is their schedule? Because <laughs> they might back into something here. If, if we're not real careful with them, because, um, West Virginia has got it going as of right now. I mean, well, I don't I heard know if somebody they, the other day that said that West Virginia, if, if things go their way and they keep, they could be like the the worst nine and three football team that you've ever seen. <laughs> Heck, nine and three. They might be ten and two. Let's see. They go to Houston next weekend. Then they play host Oklahoma State. They go to UCF. They they play BYU. Uh, they go to Oklahoma. Then they have Cincinnati and Baylor to end the season. Hmm. This is so weird looking at the conference schedule and and realizing how bad the conference is. Yeah. But I think outside of the Pac-12, this is true of every conference in college football right now. I mean, I, I think if you're in the SEC, you're looking around to find wins. Or I guess what's happened there, it, it appears that the top has come down to the pack a little bit. Um, Alabama and Georgia don't seem as dominating as they have been. Um, and then, of course, the Big Ten's trash, with the exception of two or three schools. So uh, anytime you have Nebraska <laughs> – uh, they're Illinois' favored to beat Nebraska. Uh, Illinois, that oh, we saw no. in Lawrence, that is yeah. competent. And they got beat up last weekend, too. I it's was not just like going to say like Illinois got taken behind the woodshed <laughs> yeah. last it's week. It's not like they got a big win, and then they're like, okay, they're favored because they looked good last weekend. <laughs> they haven't looked good at all. It's total junk. It's just junk. And every um, single week, off topic here a little bit, but every single week, uh, 
the the week one Colorado win against TCU looks a little bit less impressive, right? TCU is just we knew they weren't going to be the same team that they were last year, but they are not good. No, no, no they're just not. It's quarterback. That's why West Virginia is thriving right now. They found the guy. They found that warrior that, you know, reminds me, honestly, he's not as talented, but he reminds me of how he leads his team as Max Duggan. He's going to, you know, he'd be missing an arm at the end of the game. I'm okay. It's just a flesh wound. And, and let's go play the next one. Will uh, to and, win. Yeah, and people respond to that, and I don't think – do. TCU's got the same thing going on this year as they did last year. It's it's a mess. I want to talk about one more topic before we wrap it up, and and this has been truly a an off-week show where we didn't have a game to talk about. But, um, look, Utah is a really good program. Uh, but when their coach keeps talking about the next conference they're going to be in and not the Big 12, it irks me, and I greatly – was it Schadenfreude? I really enjoyed them losing. Yep. You know, just kind of shut up, man. Just quit talking about the future and live in the moment. Uh, live where your feet are at. Uh, and uh, it's it's interesting to me. I that that conference has been driven by the the South a little bit, but now it looks like it's all North. I don't think USC is that good either. No, I don't. I don't at all from what I saw. Yeah, I don't think not defensively, at least. Oh, my goodness. Gee, many Christmas. <laughs> Terrible. Now, that's Terrible. the second week in a row that they've looked really flawed because they weren't that good against Arizona State. No. Nope. No, nope. They were worse they against just, Arizona State. Arizona State sucks. <laughs> yeah, Arizona State is is terrible. They, they are a terrible team. Uh, but you're right, Fitz. I'm tired of him constantly talking, oh, well, we'll play Oregon again. We're going to play him again here in a couple of years. I'm like, Look, man, if you don't want to be in the conference, just don't come. Right. Just don't come. That's my whole thing. Just no, we don't want to be in the Big 12. And don't come and allow Oregon State or Washington State to take your place and just move on. Because I'm just tired. The arrogance is what I don't like. The arrogance is I, I just I've, it has no place in 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 for them. For them. Well, right. Utah's a fine program. But you haven't won anything. You you haven't won anything. So don't act like you're God's gift to football. God, I got a good rant out of him. I love it. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this. Pac-12 is really good this year. It, the irony of ironies. Yeah. Um, and even the team that uh, maybe isn't as good as people thought, Colorado, there's still a great story. Yeah. It's an amazing story what's happening out there. Um, and, you know, they'll they'll – pick up some more wins. I think they're going to play in a bowl game. I do. Yeah. I think they'll the find power, a way to win. The power of belief. Hey, if it, if you'll allow it, Fitz, can I circle us back to Cats as we wrap Abs- up real quickly? Absolutely. Question for you guys on something we didn't touch on. After what we saw DJ Giddens do against UCF, and I don't know how much of that was that UCF just can't tackle, it felt like before we were getting the dual running back, and right. it was maybe 60-40. We probably saw Trayshawn Ward just a tiny bit more. I don't know the exact number, so I could be wrong. Does that change now? I'm not saying that Trayshawn doesn't touch the ball. But now that we saw DJ uh, DJ Giddens can go for 300 yards in a game, do they say, hey, we got to get this guy the football more often? No question about it. Brian, your thoughts? I think they do. But hear this little tidbit, Glenn. I also think they put both of them on the field at the same time. And we're talking about all these issues that we're having at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Both of these guys can catch the ball in the backfield. Put one of them in the slot mm-hmm. and, and, and get them the ball that way as well. I just think, look, the guy, these both of them are playmakers. Both of them clearly are playmakers. For sure. And you got to get the ball in their hands. I think the more playmakers, obviously, more playmakers you can have on the field, the better. And I think you get them out there at the same time uh, and just try to get them the ball as much as you can. But I, I think that DJ has kind of earned – his way into getting more carries. But I just think you put Trayshawn on the field as well and just say, here we come. Yeah. Yep. And you hope the old line just blocks like because if they block like they did against UCF, it don't matter which one of them. I mean, you can put us back there and we're going <laughs> to run for some yards. Well, that's, right. that's an interesting point because UCF is a very fast defense and they'll come up and hit you. They just won't take you down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I feel like that game was designed for a DJ Giddens. I also yeah. feel it's a design for a Devin Neal at Kansas to have a lot of yardage. Yeah. I feel like if they had to lose one of the running backs to that game, it worked out great. Nothing against Treshawn. It's just the way that game played out. And maybe right. the Oklahoma State game is going to be different. and It'll be Treshawn's time. But I think DJ helped his cause 
not with the 270 yards rushing was with the eight catches. Yeah. We hadn't seen that out of him before. Right. And I think they were leaning towards Treshawn's more of the receiver, even Mm -hmm. though DJ's good and they've said he's good. Treshawn's like a little more shifty. And, but after DJ, what he showed as a receiver, I'm with you. I I think, I think you could line up when, with uh, Will Howard and those two guys back there. Um, DJ pass protects really well. I think you could really do something with your offense with that two back set. Absolutely. I will say, I will say though, we, I, I don't think we've seen all the Treshawn work can do yet. For sure. For sure. I oh, think that there absolutely. is a, there's a breakout game coming from him, especially now that he's going to be healthy again. He's back on the depth chart heading into Oklahoma state. Um, I mean, there's a reason why he got brought in. There's a reason why people were like, Oh, you know, preseason newcomer of the year this guy right and i i, I think yeah. that uh we're we, we we've we've yet to see uh how how good he, he he can be and i'm excited to see that i mean people forget he was the starting running back at florida state to begin the year last year right. before he got hurt and now the guy that's at florida state now is going to be a third I mean, second or third round draft pick so the guy can play some football right. he can play some football and yeah. i think maybe dj giddens send him notice it's time yeah. to play, man. Time yeah. to play. The competition's on. Here we go. Um, Kansas State plays at Oklahoma State on Friday night. What time's that kick? 6, 6 p.m.? 6.30. 6.30? I don't even know. See, I, t- I don't go to the game, and I just forget all the details. I don't need to know it. Um, you can watch 15 minutes and then go out to high school. Man. Yeah, maybe that's the way it's going to play out. Our Zach Carlson and Colt Carmody will be on hand in Stillwater to cover that game for Go Powercat. Tim will be there. Glenn will not be there, right? I'll be I'll be on the high school beat. You got it. It's high school football <laughs> night. What are you doing, Big Twelve? Yeah, come on. And uh, <laughs> Brian and I will be safely in our home studios doing our home studio thing. Absolutely. That's it for the insiders this week. It was a little scattered edition with no game, <laughs> but we'll be back next week to talk about this Oklahoma State game um, with the Cats and look ahead to Texas Tech, a, a team that I can't quite figure out. But I'll say this. I get to figure that out at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem for next week. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.